Welcome back to the We Can Ball podcast, your podcast for all things Canada basketball as we lead and head into the FIBA World Cup later this month. It's now only a week away, so that's really exciting as Canada would play will play uh, France in their first game. We are joined by my good friend uh, who's been on my own podcast behind the play a couple times, Adam Iafredi, uh, works for Sportsnet, knows a lot about this team has his opinions. Uh, so we're doing a little postcast uh, from the last exhibition game that Canada just finished against the Dominican Dominican Republic. And yeah, uh, Adam, uh, thanks so much for coming on the show. Thanks for having me on, man. I'm, I'm hyped to talk some hoops and uh, we're coming off a loss today. Not one I'm going to sweat too much about, but I'm still uh, excited to dissect it with you. So yeah, so just going into that, what how much can we glean from this performance? We were talking off air. I know you don't think there's too too much, but should fans be worried? How should we feel about this uh, loss against the Dominican uh, today? I don't think fans should be any more worried than they might have been uh, a week ago. I think the worries for me are the same worries I had when essentially Corey Joseph pulled out and and O'Shea said. Uh, and then eventually Jamal Murray, like those, that's when the worries began. And those worries will continue until this team either crashes and burns at some point in this, in this tournament or goes all the way in medals. Um, but this game in in particular, wouldn't give me any additional worries. I mean, I think you saw enough from the starters, like RJ was RJ. SGA has gotten off the slow starts. I feel like in every single one of these games, but usually just kind of picks it up. As the game goes on, the unfortunate part is he didn't play the entire second half, so he didn't really have the opportunity to pick it up. Uh, but this has been like the trend every game. It's like kind of these slow shooting starts, and you're like, oh, I don't know if he's really into it tonight. And then he finishes, and you look at the box score, and he's got you know 24 and eight or something. Like it's that's just SGA. Um, but I, I think uh, you saw enough good things from the starters. Dwight Powell really impressed me. Uh, minus one uh, muffin he left at the rim. He's been brilliant. Kelly Olynyk's been brilliant. So these. I kind of want to assess this team more as uh, a whole through like five exhibition games rather than today, because we're assessing them off of, like you mentioned it, they played the first quarter and then there was a lot of rotation in the second quarter. And then in the second half, they didn't play at all. So we're really basing them off of like a quarter of action today, which is kind of unfair to do, but everyone looked the part, the NBA guys look like NBA guys. That's the one thing I can say, like the throughout the five games, like you can tell who the guys who play in the national basketball association are. Um, as for the concerns, yeah, like they're the same concerns I had before. I'm not really sure what the second unit's going to look like. Um, I don't know how much Jordy Fernandez is going to, uh, trim down his second unit and kind of go with maybe an eight man rotation, maybe in the bigger games, maybe against France out of the gate. That's a big game. Uh, but maybe against the Lebanon or Latvia, maybe he can afford to give some guys a little bit more run and, and we'll see a little bit more of a uh, Trey Bell Haynes. We'll see a little bit more of Melvin Edgem and we'll see a little, a little bit more of the non NBA guys. Um, but even today against the Dominican team that I think is, is all right. Um, those were even minutes or those were minutes we were losing, you know? So even against a team like this, those weren't positive minutes for Canada with the second unit. So that's concerning, you know, like in a tournament setting, especially when you start playing against these better teams, you need, you need to be able to survive the minutes that SGA is off the court and RJ Barrett's off the court and Kelly Linux off the court. Like, that's what I'm worried about. I, I'm not. I think that group, the starting five, can hang with any any team in the tournament, including the U.S. I think that team can can go toe to toe with any team in the tournament. 
But the the big difference is then when you go and you're playing the U.S. and you have, you know, Jalen Brunson coming off the bench or I think he actually starts, Therese Halliburton coming off the bench and, you know, like Austin Reeves coming off the bench, like, that's that's where you really they'll, they'll they'll put you down 15 before you even know what hit you so um that's that's where my expectations are tempered and that doesn't just apply to the u.s i think there's a few teams in that tournament in this tournament where like i just don't think our, our bench unit's going to cut it against and that legitimately worries me but that was a worry that ha- that existed even prior to the murray news it was really the Corey joseph and o'shea Brissett news that i was like well we just got really thin at two positions and uh and now now we're gonna have to rely on guys who, who aren't in the nba and I just frankly don't have enough confidence in. Yeah, no, I, I think for me, when I when I think about the starters versus the bench unit, I feel like when I watch the bench unit, I it just reminds me of 2019 where the just that team just did not have enough support, like good European players, Kyle Alexander, Trey Bell Haynes, Melvin Edgem, but those aren't players that really can carry a team against better competition. And like Dominican's a good FIBA squad obviously with Cat they're a, a better one but they're not just flat out excellent and as you said I think Canada in the second half they they dropped off a little bit because they were playing mostly their their bench unit with Na and uh, or Nikhil and uh, Dort so uh, but then when you have the starters then you feel fine um, even though in in their minutes they haven't been always necessarily dominant um, in the first five games um, but that's as much just you know, kind of the law of large numbers at a certain point, like they're not going to win every kind of start the game on an 18 to four run. Right. So um, they're, they're a good starting unit, of course, but that doesn't mean that they're just going to kick everyone's butt, um, especially in the FIBA game. So but I will um, say this one thing, though, I will say when when push came to shove against Spain and heading into the later stages of the fourth quarter and overtime, and it was best on best you trusted Canada's guys and they got it done. And, and it was clear, it was clear that our best on the court was better than their best. Uh, and I think the rest of their team was better, but our best was better than their best. That's what it comes down to for those teams. Like can, can, can they find a way in big games to just keep those guys on the court as much as humanly possible? And it sucks that it comes down to that because it really doesn't need to come down to that. Like this is, we're a basketball playing nation that has more NBA talent than any other country in the world, other than obviously the U S. So it really didn't need to come down to, well, God forbid we go to our bench for five minutes at the start of the fourth quarter. Is that going to put us completely out of the game? Right. It didn't need to come down to that. And that's what, that's what frustrates me. And you probably sense it. in if you follow me on Twitter, you sense it on my tweets in my tweets, I should say, even to this day, like I watch these games and I'm like, even the, the game against Spain, I was so excited to see them win. But in the back of my head, I'm like, I had two players to this team. And that's a, that's a, that's a 16 point win. You know what I mean? And maybe that's not even true, but I, I'm going to think that because I just feel like every minute that we had to take our guys out, were minutes we were losing so even if that's not entirely true that feeling is going to stay with me until like I said either this team crashes and burns in, in early in their early stages or they go real far I'm, I'm still going to feel like no matter how far they go that this could have been this could have been a medal this could have been a gold I mean like you, we've seen these tournaments happen before Spain won it last time around um, people say like oh can this team beat the U.S. in a one-off scenario maybe but also there's a chance the U.S. will stumble somewhere else and you won't even have to play the U.S. like can they beat France? Yes. Can they beat Spain? They proved it, even with a whole bunch of guys that I would have loved to be there not being there. Can they beat Australia? Yes. So Serbia doesn't have Jokic. Uh, Greece doesn't have Giannis. Slovenia doesn't have Doncic. Well, they will have Doncic, but he, they've been playing without him so far. Yeah. Are, are these are these teams that Canada can beat? The answer is yes. So could they win a gold theoretically? I thought they could have. Now my expectations have 
definitely tempered a bit. Like I think that there's a chance that they can medal, but they're going to be outside middle contenders. And just because I don't think their bench unit is going to be able to survive against some of these better teams. Yeah, no, I mean, there's a lot of different ways to go into it. I'll first just kind of push back a little bit on the, like we have the most talent other than the U S obviously in the NBA. I think it's like 25. It depends how you qualify NBA players because some guys are on two ways and et cetera. But um, I, I, that's true. But I also saw that there's only two out of the top 15 or two out of the 15 all NBA players this year from last season are in this tournament. And that's Luca who's injured, hasn't been playing in the pre-tournament games uh, mostly and Shea. Mm -hmm. So when you think about that, you realize how hard it is to get the NBA players to come to this tournament. So um, now that's still a problem. Of course, Uh, we wish that the FIBA world cup, uh, had not all the best players, but uh, I think I'll just push out back on that because it's not like all the other top guys from all the other countries are going. And so the fact that Canada has a player like Shea committed, I just think is amazing. I think Jamal Murray, probably if this is an Olympics, he goes, Um, but because it's a a FIBA world cup, he's not same with Corey Joseph and stuff like that. So Wigan said the same thing. Wigan said, if I'd love to play in Olympics, you know, but yeah, yeah, I think, and that's a, hopefully in three weeks from now, I'm doing a podcast from Jakarta as I'm leaving and they've qualified because they made the quarterfinals. Now I don't think that's going to be the case, but maybe uh, fingers crossed, but um, kind of to bring it full circle to what you were mentioning with the lack of uh, kind of bench, scoring and bench punch and just the lack of talent i do think what will be interesting is to see what jordy fernandez does how i'd imagine in that first game and if i were him that's what i do is i'd be staggering uh rj and Shay the whole time that game is too important to mess around you'll have a week off you're not playing on a back-to-back um and i just think you go all out to win that game because you have lebanon next no offense to Lebanon and Amari Spellman. Um, I don't think Canada <laughs> needs to play even its starters really in that game to to win. So um, I think that's something we'll see. And the later they go in the tournament, I think we'll probably see very few minutes without a Shane and RJ on the court, um, even a Nikhil. Like, I just think that's the way this team's going to go. The problem is, is let's say they're playing Spain in the last game in the second round. And they just barely beat Brazil in a close game. And Shea had to play 36 minutes. And now he's playing 36. Like, it is going to hit them in terms of just the wear and tear. So that's the the worry is that. And in some games, as you said, like maybe even today, they have a bit more depth. Or in the game against Spain, if they have a bit more depth, then um, maybe it doesn't go to overtime in those two games against Spain and Germany. So, It'll be really interesting to see, but I do think that's something that he has where I don't think in big games we're seeing Trey Bell Haynes for more than five minutes or maybe seven minutes. If that you have seven NBA players and essentially you can play Kyle Alexander as another backup big and then maybe edge him as like a another um, a wing think, defender. Yeah. But uh, yeah. you don't need to be playing all these guys kind of when the the big games come around, but uh, maybe he will. And maybe he says this, we're looking forward and we don't want to gas our guys in the first game, but I think that's what he should be doing. And I will say, I, I think like Trey Bill Haynes was good today. I think that was his yeah. best game. Uh, and he had, he he came off of, uh, I think a sloppy first few quarters of last game and actually closed the game out decently well too. So 
he's trending in the right direction. I think he's playing with a little more confidence. And I've also, my confidence in him has, has grown marginally. Um, I still think, and I'm going to, you know, double down on this. Like, I think the gap between him and a Corey Joseph's massive. I think you lose Corey Joseph and and that's like, people don't realize how how astronomical that loss is. Um, and, and I'll say the same thing with O'Shea Brissett. Like I was watching Melvin Edgem today switched on to Carl Anthony Towns, three, four possessions in a row. And Towns is just so much bigger. He's so much bigger. And O'Shea, I just remember from the last time I played for Canada, would take a lot of those assignments because we sent a small team that time. Uh, and, and this was last World Cup, if I'm not mistaken. And mm-hmm. he was playing power forward for the team and he was just taking on a lot of tough defensive assignments and doing well. Um, that would have been a guy who I would like to see on Towns in that situation instead of Edrum. So even that is a big loss, you know? And even the, the gap from Edrum to, to Brissett, I think, is pretty large. Um, so can the team survive those minutes? I think that's the question of this tournament. We know, I think we know at this point where we're going to get out of SGA. We know RJ for Canada is a different beast. Um, Lou Dort and Dylan Brooks. Brooks has looked really good, actually. Dort's shot's been in, but defensively he's doing his thing and, and he's getting to the, the, the rim uh, at will. So it's all like the things you expect. Kelly Olenek and FIBA is like a different player. He's incredible to watch. And Dwight Powell largely has been very, very good as well. So the NBA guys have come and uh, Nikhil, I forgot because Nikhil has been great too. Uh, and I would, I would, I agree with you. I'd run uh, Nikhil at the backup point and I'd probably, you know, not nothing against Trey Bell Haynes, but I, I, if you're asking me who I want running the second unit, I'm picking Nikhil Alexander Walker as well. So for me, if, if you, if you do cut down the rotation to eight, essentially, and you're, you have seven NBA guys and Kyle Alexander, I think that team is pretty good. And I also think Edie gives you something else too. Like I think right now, Alexander's probably still ahead of Edie on the pecking order. But Edie can give you something in the right matchup where you can be like, like if France has a big that just loves to post up, like throw Edie in there for five, six minutes, throw the rhythm off. So I don't hate that idea either. Um, Where I start to lose confidence, and I don't think we'll see the scrubs at all um, in the tournament. I think today was a good indication. Even even through the third quarter, we really didn't see them. It wasn't until we were into the fourth that he was Mm -hmm. Jordy was just really running through, running the scrubs out there. Uh, I don't think we'll see Cherry, even though I thought he looked all right in his in his moments, and he had some confident moments that I was uh, I got a little bit excited about. Ultimately, Trey Bell Haynes will probably be the 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 fringe guy, like the guy who who is in Lebanon. He's in the rotation, but against you know France, he's not. He's probably the swing guy, um, and I'm okay with that. I just think you know you add one or two guys to this team, you take a lot of the workload off. Of, I'm not even talking about Jamal Murray. You take the workload off of an SGA, you take the workload off of a an RJ Barrett, a Dylan Brooks, um, a, a, a Kelly Olynyk. I think it would it would help the team so much in the long run over the course of a grueling tournament like the World Cup. Yeah, no, for sure. But I I, I do think like they have enough here to to really go deep in the tournament. I mean, if they had an easier draw, then I'd feel really confident that they could be a medal contender because. Um, if you look at what, for example, the Dominican has, they play the Philippines, Italy, and then probably Serbia and China or Puerto Rico um, compared to Canada, where it's France, Spain, Brazil, who just beat Australia in Australia, who's yeah. a good FIBA team. So they just have a really, t- and then not to mention Latvia for my my Latvian friends. Um, so it's going to be really tough for this team to make it. And that's my my biggest worry is that, if uh, I think all of it feels a bit more um, just important or impactful, the fact like the fact, the lack of depth, depth, sorry, 
is just bigger and more problematic because they're playing such top nations so early on and they're essentially must win games, right? Um, there's no easing into this tournament. And um, the more you expend energy at the beginning, the the more it impacts you later on and uh, it'll, it'll be tough. But I, I do think though, um, just watching those couple games is when they beat Germany, when they beat Spain, you have the best players on the court at the end of the game. And that's what prevailed in the end and overtime in both those games and late down the stretch. And to have maybe the best player in the tournament or maybe the second best other than Luca, like that is such a big advantage. Like even against the States, I mean, who's the best player on the court? Probably at all well, times, yeah, Shea. probably Shea. Um, so that's a big advantage, right? And although he missed a couple, the, the two shots to kind of win the games in both those Germany and Spain games, I mean, they weren't, he he got decent looks and uh, easy could have made them. So um, that's something that I'm really I think is such a big advantage for this team and they they're good enough that they'll they're not going to get blown out in any of these games so to mm. have a player like Shea at the end is is going to be monumental for them and he's just saving his you know he's saving his his game winning makes for the tournament for the real thing she's not about this uh preseason stuff this friendly stuff he's just he just give me the spotlight um i feel good about the team overall as much as i've just went on a whole rant about guys missing because ultimately they did just go beat Spain in Granada. And like, that's like, they went into Spain and beat Spain. They went into Germany and beat Germany. And before people say, so they lost to Germany too. Yeah, they lost to Germany, but the starters also didn't play the entire fourth quarter and most of the second half. It was, it was very similar to this game where Jordi Fernandez clearly had a, a plan with how he was approaching the games. And that one and this one didn't involve the starters playing out the fourth quarter. And this one, they barely played at all. Um, so you know, I don't know how much I can assess that because this team, we know this team doesn't have the depth. We know this team's bench unit is a huge drop off from the starting unit. So if the stars aren't playing, I don't, I'm not expecting them to beat any top nations. And today they didn't even beat a mediocre nation. So if the starters are playing though, we saw now that they can beat two metal contenders, legitimate metal contenders. And that Germany team might be better than Spain, even like they're really I, good. I, I, you know, I that's what I got out of that, and I think a worse matchup for Canada. Because, they're really good because I think Schroeder is just such a point of attack guy, um, especially with Kelly Olynyk and Dwight Powell, who aren't really rim protectors, a bit flatter, like flatter feet, or just like not as good at moving their feet. Um, so I I think that matchup is is worse, and they have more NBA players, and Franz Wagner and Dennis Schroeder are better players than the Her- Hernan Gomez yeah. players are better for FIBA style, right? Like that definitely helps them, but I don't think either of them are as good as those players. Daniel Tice is a really good FIBA player. Um, Even Isaac Bongas was really good for them. It gives you some defense and can he's a big guard kind of guy, so he can handle the ball a bit. I, I like that team. I really do. They're a good team. They don't have many weaknesses. They got guys who can shoot all over the court. Like, they're legit. I would not be at all surprised if that team meddled. No, um, no. Yeah. I agree. Sorry. So, yeah, and I was going to say, and, and I agree with your point that, that like, if we're ranking the best players in the tournament, I don't know where Wagner ranks, but he's got to be pretty high. Like, he's he's up there, you know? He's up there, obviously, behind a bunch of guys from the U.S. and probably maybe a couple guys from Canada. But he's he's definitely up there as far as, like, individual talents that are actually competing in this tournament with all the guys that pulled out. Uh, he's, a, he's a legitimate star in FIBA basketball. And so, and it started in the making in the NBA. So, I like, I like, I think they have the recipe. They have everything that you would want. 
They have size, they have shooting, they have, you know, NBA talent on the high end. They have some good NBA role players to sort of fill in the gaps. Uh, and then they got top European level talent. So they they were, they were a team that I don't want to say impressed me because I expect them to be very good, but um, watching them against Canada was, was actually very entertaining basketball. No, for sure. And I, I think uh, just kind of going forward a little bit, what I find interesting is just how good RJ Barrett is because in the absence of a Jamal Murray, you're thinking, well, who's that other guy that's going to step up and, I mean, oh my God, uh, he's been a phenomenal, even was today, wasn't his best game. And he still had, I think, like 11 points in the first uh, uh, half and is just efficient too, which is always my worry. I think what I've been really impressed by, other than maybe Dort, who's maybe taken a bit too many shots, um, although almost forced to with the the bench unit, but Dylan Brooks has taken, I've only seen him take maybe three yeah. dumb shots. And that was my biggest worry <laughs> was that games. he was yeah. going to start chucking and being inefficient. And you know what? He's really good at catch and shoot threes. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a good player. And when he's not taking a lot of shots and just be sitting in the corner or making cuts, um, I've been really impressed by him. I mean, he needs to stop take fouling. He's he's kind of putting his hands yeah. everywhere on people and taking stupid fouls. But other than that, he's been really good. But just with RJ, like what what do you think makes his game so transferable to the FIBA game? I okay, I have a theory. I can't, I can't, um, I can't validate this, but somebody might be able to. The rims are softer. They have to be softer. Like you get these nice fluffy rolls off the rim in FIBA basketball, and I, and for a guy who likes to get to the rim, like RJ, he like yeah, I think it just, anybody who likes to get to the rim, I think it actually benefits your game quite a bit. Um, mm-hmm. That's my my theory. I could be totally wrong about it, but there's something about the rims, those FIBA rims. They're a little more forgiving. Um, as for the rest of his game, the jump shot looks really good. Uh, I know it was a, a point of emphasis for him. I was following a lot of uh, uh, Nick's beat reporters, and he's putting a lot of work in his jump shot because he wasn't happy with how he shot from three last season. I mean, he looks really sharp. It's coming out. It's smooth. Uh, it's yeah, really Jonathan smooth Chen yesterday was talking about how he changed his shot form where he's shooting more kind of just direct and he's almost at his face but it's just a flat motion rather than kind of up and more to the side because he'd always kind of shoot si- not sh- sideways but yeah, he wasn't not Michael K. Gil- Gilchrist not yeah Gilchrist. yeah no not that bad but uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah no yeah. But sometimes it's something really minimal right sometimes you come across your body and sometimes you don't quite tuck your elbow sometimes you tuck your elbow too much like if you can come you know sort of uh perpendicular to the ground like i think that's how they would how you would have a professional shooting coach teach you and he's and and he's not shooting off the dribble that much it's mostly catch and shoot which i think is definitely better for him like he's not taking chuck up end of the shot clock we save that for shea right so um but he's just been phenomenal and i think what your your theory i think it's just the game's more physical and so you need to bang bodies and it's just natural to him and he gets in the flow of it and the, the, the athletes aren't maybe the same as in the NBA. So we can kind of get to the rim a bit easier than maybe in the, the NBA, even though maybe there's more people there, there's it's still, once he gets there, he's pretty efficient. Right. So 100%. Um, especially on the Knicks, it's hard when you don't have that many shooters around you and uh, Mitchell Robinson and stuff like that. So, uh, or players like that. So um, I've just been really impressed. And if he keeps this up, I, I really feel, like Canada can go really deep in this tournament, despite everything we outlined at the beginning, lack of depth, terrible draw. Um, and I really think this team can, can go far. I think um, 
really against anyone other than the States. I, I like their chances in any game. And and you have to also factor in that uh, RJ Barrett's a States killer. If you guys, if everyone remembers the yep. 19s. I, 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 I asked him about that. that. I asked you him about that did, at eh? camp. Yeah. And he yeah. said, uh, he talked about how much uh, it meant them to, to win the gold. And obviously uh, he was the MVP. I think he had 38. 38. Yeah. And I, and I know that because I remember watching it. I was, wa- I was in the U.S. at the time. I was in like a Walmart watching a, a YouTube stream from my phone, and I just like <laughs> the great like it just had me hooked that game. And RJ was was sensational from the opening. He was the whole tournament. He was sensational, but I mean to to do it against the the heavily favored U.S. team, and I'm just kind of trying. I mean, PJ Washington, I think, was on that team. Uh, was um, Kevin, uh, not Kevin Pritchard. Um, who's Pritchard? Peyton Pritchard. Peyton Pritchard was he? Um, yeah, I just remember Camp PJ Reddish. Washington. There was a bunch of Camp Reddish. Yeah. Bunch of good players, a few big guys, and yeah, uh, I think and was there a Bridges, one of the Bridges, maybe I don't know. It's possible, but, and he was younger than everyone too, if I'm not mistaken. He was 17, he was yeah, he was like a like an underager, yeah. So that was like, I mean, in in terms of just kind of like not talked about enough Canadian sports moments, that was pretty pretty incredible. And uh, so he's always been a Canada guy. Like he's always been a guy that steps up when he plays for Canada and. Um, I find every NBA player plays better for their country. I don't know why. I, I think, like I said, I think there's something to the theory. You, you guys can fact check me after. <laughs> I think the rims are softer. These guys, they come from the, the, the tough, stiff NBA rims. And then these ones are just a little bit friendlier. But yeah. um, RJ's, like, regardless of that, it's probably a combination of, of a, a bunch of things. Um, he doesn't feel like he needs to maybe do quite as much. Uh, he's not looking to draw fouls because they don't call fouls in FIBA. <laughs> they just let you play. So he really attacks with this bully mindset that I'm just going to finish through you or over you or, you know, however I got to finish. And uh, and then he's been rewarded for it. And yeah, he's getting some love from the rim and the jump shot looks good. It's just the, the total package right now from RJ Barrett. Like it's hard not to get excited about it. And um, you, they needed somebody to step up. I mean, that was a huge, huge concern when Jamal Murray pulled out. And even prior to that, when they when he wasn't joining them for the first uh, exhibition games, it was like, well, okay, where's the shooting coming from, right? Shea, Shea can shoot, obviously, but Shea's, it's not really like his game. He doesn't shoot a lot of threes in the NBA, even though his efficiency is, you know, not bad. He's it's not like a, he's not sh- uh, shot chucking. Dort's not really the most efficient shooter. Dylan Brooks is not the most efficient three-point shooter. RJ last year had a down shooting year. So you're kind of like, well, I don't know. Are we going to be able to make these shots? And so far, Canada's made them at a, at a very impressive clip, so it hasn't been a problem at all. Um, but I just that's that's one thing that I think coming into this tournament, especially when we found out that it wasn't looking so good for Jamal, I was like, someone's going to have to step up and start hitting threes. And and RJ has done that in spades. No, for sure. And I, but I think I think they were shooting over forty percent before today. They didn't shoot well from three today, but. Um... What I find interesting, though, is because in this game today, if we bring it back, they didn't they had a lot of open looks that first half. They had a lot of open looks and just were missing them, um, even some from like Kelly Olenek. And um, I think one was uh, I think Nah had one or Nikhil had one. Uh, Melvin Edgem had one from the corner. So um, they ha- had a lot of open looks and it felt, oh, this is like more to reality. We're more of a 35 percent shooting a team from three more than a maybe 38 or 39, but you never know. They shot well against Germany. They shot well against Spain the, in the, the big boys. So um, I, I think it's in, it'll be interesting to see. I think Nikhil will be a bit of an X factor for this team because he can spot up, he can play make. And if they can just survive the bench units and have him as a, 
like a primary ball handler, sometimes a you know a secondary if RJ or um, Shea's on the court. I think that's going to be interesting to see how they manage those minutes. But um, the shooting is definitely something that's been I like. You just look at the team as you said should be really worried about. But when you actually see them play together, they seem to be shooting pretty decent. I think some of that is just other than maybe Dort forcing a bit of threes, like Brooks hasn't been taking a lot of off the dribble threes, unless it's basically wide open into a shot. Same with uh, Kelly, same with Dort, RJ isn't. So I think they've been really disciplined. I don't know why that is. Compared I, to I can give game. you my theory. I think I think there's a clear pecking order and that actually helps okay. the team. Like I think... I think everyone knows that Shea's the guy. And and maybe if Jamal was here, maybe it would be a little bit more confusing. But I think everyone understands Shea's the guy. So it's like when the ball's dead and, you know, we're not – there's no there's no catch-and-shoot opportunity. Everyone's kind of picking their head up and looking for Shea. Let's reset the possession. Um, and then it's his, your job, if you're in the corner and you get a, you get a catch-and-shoot look, is to shoot it. Let it fly, right? If it's not there, you drive, you kick, and they end up just resulting. It, it results in this beautiful team basketball where they're moving the ball a little bit more than I can remember Canada teams doing. Because I don't think there's too much. It's like Shea's the guy, and if Shea's not gonna go attack the basket, it's gonna be RJ. Like that's the that's the pecking order, and everyone else's shots are pretty much coming off of Shea or RJ attacking the basket. Uh, and and I, I think that's a good, you know, that's a pretty good team dynamic. Like that's how some of the top teams in Europe play. It's like you, you know we have our 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 true point guard, like our true, you see some of these nations, like, I mean, obviously Ricky Rubio made a, a whole entire FIBA career doing this, but like he'll touch the ball 30 times in a possession. Like they just keep giving it back to him and he's running through a different screen. And then someone else comes and he's running through another screen. It's like, cause they know who their playmaker is, you know? And I think on this Canada team, they know who their guys are. And, uh, and that's why maybe the bench unit has struggled a bit more. Cause you're asking Lou Dort to do a little bit more than he's probably comfortable doing offensively. You're putting the ball in his hands probably more than you'd like yeah. I prefer it in Nikhil's hands. I think Nikhil's actually a much better playmaker than people give him oh, credit yeah. for. In the NBA game, he doesn't have the opportunity to show it as much, but in college he did. And all through representing Canada, he's always been a good playmaker. Uh, and even in, in the preseason game, or in the, these pre-tournament games we've seen, I feel really confident with the ball in his hands. So I'd probably make that adjustment. And, and maybe, maybe, I mean, they, they won't do it now because they didn't do it through all of these pre-friendly games, but I was always wondering, like, when we were going to see SGA and Dort play together. Mm. They played together at OKC. I was kind of expecting at some point that they were going to see, all right, how's Lou look in the starting lineup? And and maybe we give maybe we give Dylan Brooks his uh, <laughs> maybe we give him more more of a, a green light with the bench. I don't know. That's that's something I kind of thought might happen, but never ended up coming to fruition. Yeah, no, I do think Brooks has been better with the starters, and and probably like I think. I was a bit lower on him, but the way he's been playing, I'm more higher on him being at the end of like on the court at the end of games. And mostly just because he's a better shoot shooter than Dort. Um, they're different types of defenders, both pretty good. Um, obviously Brooks is a bit taller, but I think Brooks has just been set like a much more consistent shooter. And every time in overtime, he makes a corner three when it almost feels like that's the shot that kind of pushes Canada over the line or, or separates themselves from the other team. So um, I think after the first three games, my question was who is this team's best five? Like who's the, the, the five they, they end games with. But I think the more I think about it, it's probably their starters. Um, but I, I think the question will be maybe do they go, do they keep uh, Dwight on the court or do they, um, or do they go five out and put Kelly? Um, I think in FIBA it's harder than maybe in the NBA. 
um, just because of the size and everything. Um, but I think maybe against uh, uh, like a, a probably against France, they're going to have to against Spain. They did as well, but maybe against other teams that maybe aren't as big, maybe like a, an Australia or something like that. They play them in the quarters or, or Slovenia. Maybe it makes more sense to, to have five out um, and go all offense and uh, not get crushed on the glass. But I think that's what's going to be interesting is just to see how Jordy attack or I don't want to say attacks, but approaches the, the the first game and the lineups because so far I think everything's kind of made sense. There's nothing where I've been like, oh, that makes zero sense. What's he doing? Uh, the defenses have been way more set than Nick Nurse. There's no junk yep. being thrown out or two threes or um, there, there's been a couple zones mostly when Edie's been on the court a little bit in the Germany game when they were getting killed by uh, Schroeder. Uh, on penetration and off the pick and roll but not not much so pretty standard and I, I've really thought their defense has got better um, each game even today Dominican in the first quarter had 27 points but they made a lot of hard shots it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't open shots and yeah. um, compared to the Germany game where it just felt like wide open three wide open three layup offensive rebound wide open three um, especially the first game yeah, no, this this game was and that was an, another part of this game that I think was a bit of an outlier. Like I think I think the Dominicans were like they were very up for it. I don't think you'll see two teams that are kind of approaching a, a friendly so differently. Like the, the Figueroa guy was just losing his mind. He was losing his mind. They had the crowd there, a bunch of Dominican fans there in the building. Like they had lost their previous two friendlies. So you could you know they wanted to get one before the tournament started. And Canada looked like they just didn't care like Jordy. I mean, obviously they didn't care with the lineup selection. Like you're, you're not, they weren't this going is, to this be. Yeah. yeah. Like I'm not, you know, breaking news here. Like clearly the, the goal, the objective from this game wasn't like we need to win. It was like, let's leave the game and have uh Shea Gilgis Alexander's knee still intact. And not, you know, like, let's not basically get any injuries on this court. Yeah. Um, Cause we're so close to the tournament. We've seen everything we've needed to see through four friendlies. We've beaten two contenders already in their home countries. Like we know what we have, give or take. So at this, the, the goal here was just escape the game without injury. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe at the end of the bench, there's a, a decision or two to be made that will give those guys a little bit more run than they've seen, and 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 make a make a decision at a, with regards to the end of the roster. But there was no desire for the team that like there was no push to win today. Clearly. Um, I'm fine with it. Like I, I really, and I even tweeted it before the game. Like I, I would, I don't want to see these guys play too much. Like the last thing we need at this point is with two overtimes, team, like yeah, roll his ankle or some something like that. Like I really, at this point, we knew what we had. We got the reps we needed against the, the countries we needed to get them against. I almost feel like if Canada could have pulled out of this friendly, they would have. Like they, they at this point hadn't. They knew what they had, and so they had to kind of just play the game because it was scheduled. It felt like yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, I have to give Canada basketball credit because they really had a lot of good competition. Obviously, Germany was playing them twice, I think was um, like really good because that first quarter they just got walloped in the first game. Felt like, oh, okay, they're 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 a bit far away and, and they climbed yeah. back in the game. Same even in the second game against Germany. Obviously, New Zealand's not as great an opponent, but you need to play uh, to play a team where you feel confident and New Zealand isn't a great FIBA side, but they're not they're not going to come last. 
no um, no and uh and then obviously playing spain in spain is such a kind of great tune-up and you're gonna probably play them in the second round dominican's a good team obviously like they've they did well in the qualifiers i mean they they snuck in but uh, obviously with cat um they're they're a pretty good team and who you're going to be basically facing off probably for the the last america spot uh, to make the olympics so i have to give it to canada basketball because it, it felt all the games that were scheduled made sense worked i feel like they're ready for the world cup i don't feel as though oh i wish they just played one more good team yeah. to feel battle tested i feel as though they've gone through like three wars already and maybe that's yeah. just fiba basketball no. but um, you're right they really feel prepared for the fiba world cup and i think the draw is gonna be a bit better than people think i think france is obviously tough but they don't have any incentive to make the olympics just people know that they obviously are hosting it mm-hmm. a lot of their players have dropped out they still have decolo fournier and gobert but a lot of their other players aren't there that usually play for them yeah. um, and i think that matchup's actually kind of okay for canada because they don't have a a ball hand they don't really have a point guard um which schroeder killed them for in in the mm. two games against germany um so i think it'll look closer to that spain game and honestly if the canada had kept their starters in longer they probably would have won that game by a bit more that's the way it felt uh especially at the end um and i think it'll be how do they deal with gobert and maybe we can talk about it on another podcast but uh, um how are you feeling about this team going into the world cup I feel I feel the same way I felt a week ago, which is I think they can go medal, but I think it's going to be a bit of an uphill battle, um, and I think what eventually might be their undoing is 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 that lack of them uh, bench depth, and really and really I, I would challenge those guys like those guys kind of hold the fate of this tournament in their hands, <laughs> if they can play net neutral basketball, if if when we go to our bench we can just not lose those minutes. This team, I, I think there's a very strong team that we're talking about, uh, a very strong chance, rather, we're talking about a team that's qualified for the Olympics uh, and maybe even podiums. But yeah. but that's really where this team is going to live and die. It's like, can they survive those minutes? First of all, how many minutes are we are we talking about? Like, I don't really mind too much. And if we're up 25 against Lebanon, like those, you know, play whoever you want to play. But are, are we going to have to see extended minutes against France and Spain or Brazil or whoever it may be? Uh, and how do we handle those minutes? Um, so to make a, a long answer short, um, I'm I'm optimistic, but I'm definitely a little bit worried because I, I've seen enough in the preseason and these pre-tournament friendlies that I, I think there's vulnerability. No, for sure. I, I agree. I mean, it's, it's going to be tough, but um, I think there's a real chance they can make the semis or get a medal in this tournament if things go the right way if they win the close game like that's basically going to be is there's going to be a close game and it's going to feel as though it's on a knife's edge and can canada come out of that game with a win because shay and rj stepped up their game and because not some random guy i've never heard of from czech republic is just hitting threes on them um so in in venezuela we uh you know lest we forget so that was their coach today wasn't it Yes, it was. Who was the Argentinian I, I, coach? They, anyways, yeah. Um, His face is is uh, plastered in my mind permanently. Um, there was a fan question that I think is a bit interesting. Obviously, the last the the first seven spots on this team are locked in stone, but for who, there's going to be only twelve players allowed, or I believe are, they can only bring twelve players to 
that can play at the 12 or 13. I think it was 12. I'm pretty sure it's 12, but maybe I could be wrong. And if I am, I'll, I'll definitely report that. But uh, if, if you had to decide your last five spots, who's on the team for, for Canada going to Jakarta, who, who did you take on the plane? So, okay. The seven NBA guys, I'm not going to bother managing. Um, I'm taking Kyle Alexander and Zach Eadie because they give you such different looks. Um, I think Alexander is ahead of Edie on the pecking chart right now. But I, like I said earlier, I think there are scenarios where I would prefer Edie. So I'd take both of them. Trey Bell Haynes, because I, I do think he's, you know, if, if they decide to not uh, run Nikhil as the backup point, he would be your next ball handler. So that puts us at what, 10? You have two more left. Yeah, 10. So. And two more, the Scrub Brothers. <laughs> um, over Edgem? I think I would. Over who, sorry? Edgem. Oh, no, no, no. Okay, no, no, no. Definitely Edgem. Yeah, I was going to Okay, so then then I'm taking Edgem. Now you're asking me to pick between the Scrub Brothers. I don't know yeah. if I can do that. I might just take neither of them to take Cherry because <laughs> I can't I can't split them up. They're a package deal. They're like Mario and Luigi. You know, you know what's happened before, eh? In 2015, Phil went and Tommy was the last cut, eh? Oh, that's so and I, I feel like that's I, and exactly I really what feel that's gonna again. happen again. I yeah. really it's I think the decision uh, is basically do you bring ED or do you bring Tommy Scrub? I, I, I and okay. I think at the end of the day you bring ED just because it's it has to be, it has to be because you have to ask yourself this question. Who is more likely to play even a single meaningful minute? Yeah. Like, can ED come in in a certain scenario and be the best yes. option for Team Canada in that specific scenario? Yes. Is there any scenario where, where Phil Scrub is going to be Canada's savior? No. So, like, for me, that's a simple answer. Like, it's like if I it's like if I have a, a, a third string goalkeeper at the goal cu- uh, at the World Cup who's like, you know famous for stopping penalty kicks. Like I'm going to bring him just because he's not coming to the game anyways, but God forbid I'm in a semifinal and I got to go to penalty kicks and this guy's, I'm going to bring him. You know what I mean? So I just think purely out of utility, it has to be Zach Eady, um, yeah. which hurts me to say for the scrub brothers. Cause as much as I, I've kind of like joked about it a little on Twitter, but I actually really like, I, I watch a lot of youth sports basketball. I'm, I'm a Carlton Raven alone. You're, you're, so yeah. You're you an really. Like, yeah. Like I like those guys. I, I have, all the respect in the world for those guys, but I just don't see there being any scenario where they're going to play a meaningful minute in this tournament. Yeah. I, I can see Phil because he can kind of shoot and create a little bit for Tommy. I just don't, I think you play Melvin Edgem over him every single time. And not that I'm not saying that Melvin is that, that much better than Tommy per se, but he can shoot a bit better. Um, just a bit of a, a little more athletic, a little more, a little better defense more switchy almost more versatile. yeah yeah smaller um, but but more versatile yeah and i just think um uh tommy really doesn't do a lot for you offensively and it's just hard to hide him and melvin isn't great either but can knock down a shot a bit easier if it's he's his feet are set and he did he has in the games actually so um in the corner so i i think i think i i agree with you i would go for ed but i do think some people have really not been enamored by his play. I think against a guy like Rudy Gobert, it makes so much sense where the guy is not going to stretch him out. He's not going anywhere. He's just going to try to get offensive rebounds. And guess what? We have someone that's as tall as him. Yeah. Well, taller than him. Who right? can just and sit in the paint. You, this is the thing people forget about like with FIBA rules. Like He doesn't have to go anywhere. He, he can just sit down there. 
And and that's a huge expert. I don't even think Canada used it quite enough. I think there were times today where they kind of figured it out. Like, oh, you can just park him down there. Like, it's kind of a it's kind of tough to score. Yeah. But he, he does he impacts shots. Like there were times in this game where I don't think it's been great offensively. I, I will say that. And I also feel like I should disclose my bias. I love I'm a big Zach Eady guy. Um, I, I don't think it's been great offensively. I think he's looked a little bit shaky like almost he has imposter syndrome a bit he's like around all these nba stars and he's like kind of like I'm, I'm allowed to shoot the ball with these guys around me sort of thing so i i think the confidence maybe on that end could be a bit better but you see the screens he sets are, are great yeah and defensively he's boxing guys out and he and he's he's just he alters shots like even when he's not blocking them he's altering them he's making you think twice about it he doesn't even have to jump Half the time he's just putting his arms in the air under the rim and like he's just mm-hmm. altering shots. So I I just I think it's it's so, it sounds like such a stupid thing, but it's just enough for me. It's it, there's enough of a utility there. We're in a right in the right matchup, like you said. Gobert is a perfect example. I can see enough value there that I would actually play him. I think he's a better matchup in against France than Kyle Alexander is. So I would probably play him over Kyle Alexander in that matchup. But then your next game, your next two games, you're probably going to run with Alexander in that backup center spot. So. I, just because I, I have a place for him in my head, I think I'd have to, but I don't know. I, it's tough either way. Like it's going to break my heart. If somebody, one of the scrub brothers don't go, it's going to be tough. Sherry was a late uh, addition. So maybe he's the one on the outside looking in, but regardless, it's going to be tough. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, I, I, I my, the, what, the best way for me in my mind to encapsulate just the difference or how to utilize ed is basically you would never use him against germany because or against dennis schroeder because you watch that he just blew by him right or franz wagner on a pick i think on a pick and roll or maybe it was moritz wagner but um he just got cooked in like two minutes it was obvious it just was kind of like a red herring or whatever but in terms (laughs) of uh i don't know if i used that reference correctly but hey um and uh but uh but against Spain, I thought he looked fine. I'm not saying he was dominant, but his minutes looked like he he felt like he belonged out there. Today, I thought he was with the bench unit. It was a bit hard to tell, but he got a couple blocks. He was in the right place. He got blown by a couple times, but not not a crazy amount. It didn't feel like an eyesore. He scored a little bit, um, and like he did have a couple flubs, but he was fine. Like Alexander had some too, so. It's also yeah. who he's he's going up against. And I really like Alexander on defense. Yeah, Everything dude. offensively is just tough. You can't make free throws. ED no. can. That's um, another thing. And, and as much as that sounds like maybe not a big deal, like, I don't know, man. I, no. And this the, the Alexander free throw situation, it just, you have no confidence when he's taking them. Like, he just doesn't look pretty. I don't know what he shot in, in his season with his club team. So I could be off that maybe it's not as bad as I thought, but it didn't look good. Yes. So I, I'm, and that's, that's something that always frustrates me. Big man who can't shoot free throws. It's like, get in the gym, man. Like you're a professional get in the gym. Yeah. Figure it out. <laughs> no, I remember always, was it Andre Drummond or DeAndre Jordan? Like when they were getting like the 30% mark and it's just, you can't, like, I, yeah, I get, get it. Your gym. fingers are that big and it's like throwing something, but just work on it. Just do do a hundred a day. It's really not that hard, and I'm sure yeah. you'd be at fifty percent. Anyways, um, I do think some of it is nerves, which is something yeah. that it makes it much worse. But uh, yeah, um, but yeah, I guess just to to go. I, I mean, is there anything else you want to touch upon? Anything that you're kind of thinking about with regards to this team? Uh, 
Not not really. I, I think I feel like I have a good read on the team. Um I I think I think um my my big thing my stance on international basketball is like how cool would this World Cup have been if every single star oh my god game was playing? Like I just that always bothers me that how many players eventually put I'm not even referencing Jamal Murray, I'm just referencing in general, like mm-hmm. how many star players, your your Jokic's, your Antetokounmpo's, yeah, like and obviously guys deal with injuries and stuff. Yeah, I think Giannis is just an injury, but yeah. It's not like um they they have no desire to be a part of it. And obviously if Giannis is injured, he's injured. But it would really it'd be so cool to just once to have a, a World Cup where every nation is sending like as close to their best as, as humanly possible with mm-hmm. injuries factored in. Even France, like you know. The Spurs, I get they don't want to have Wembenyama there, but like Wembenyama is one of the best players on the planet. He hasn't played a second in the NBA. I would have loved to see him in the World Cup, you know. Oh. So that that applies to so many players, uh, specifically NBA players, I, and it's not really a thing that happens so much in other sports. Um, and before people say, "Oh, that'll never happen," that'll never happen. I don't know. I don't know if that'll never happen. I think we used to say that about the World Baseball Classic, and this last World Baseball Classic had the most star talent we've ever seen and it made for just an incredible event and i think it brought baseball to a whole different uh stage in terms of a global popularity and having it end with otani striking out trout was like a storybook ending for baseball and i just wish we had more of those moments in fiba and and i do think it benefits the nba to have a good relationship with fiba because you know they've always been wanting to grow their game globally you know what what better opportunity than than the world cup i think there's a relationship there to be had obviously the world baseball classic is uh, the relationship with the MLB is obvious, so it's, and it's different. But um, I just hope one day in the next, you know, few cycles, we'll actually have an opportunity to see a true best on best with like not over ninety percent of the big players turning out. I think what we'll have to rely on is the Olympics because I think at the same time, and and Scott Witter, uh, who was on yesterday, is a huge proponent of how the FIBA World Cup's way better than the Olympics. Which I, I somewhat agree, but I think I would agree if all the best players showed up for the World Cup comparatively to the Olympics for m- almost every big player for a big country shows mm-hmm. up, um, unless you're Ben Simmons. Um, <laughs> and uh, so, but just on that point, I, I think if mostly the, the most talented teams are at the Olympics next year, the game is so global now. There's so like look at think about Germany like that team is really good, um and they were missing uh, Kleber I think they I think he has beef with Schroeder I think that's what I read somewhere, um but I, I could don't don't quote me on it um but that's where we're gonna see the biggest just outpouring of talent right the U S will have way more stars I think right we talked about it earlier I think Wiggins is there. I think Murray's there. I think you look oh, at yeah. guys like Shaden Sharp was yeah. Shaden Sharp sounded interested. Now I don't know if he's perfect for FIBA game right now, but um Ben Matherin, Nemhard, imagine him as your backup point guard. Like I, he's better I than Corey Joseph. Him. Um Chris yeah. Boucher to bring some length and some size. I think Boucher and FIBA is like a way better player that the three point line's a bit closer. So if this team is to make the Olympics. It will be an even more talented roster. And if you look at the players, most of them are signed through next year and will be signed. I think that's something you always have to be mindful as our guys, unrestricted free agents or a year left with uncertainty. 
that's basically not going to be the case. Um, and so that's why I think if Canada were to make it, they'd bring an even more loaded team. More guys will want to be on the team. Um, there's still more guys coming in the NBA that might hit this upcoming year. Right. So, um, that that's kind of where I think it is at. And if Canada has the Wiggins, RJ, uh, Jamal and Kelly Olenek or Powell, like that team can beat a USA. Like I'm just like getting giddy thinking about it. Um, like Josh, no um, but yeah, so yeah, the uh, globalization of the sport is just, is, is really like, um, it, it's, it's something that the league needs to leverage. And I think they've tried and you've seen all these, like, you know, they post all the time about like, Oh, look at all the, the non-Americans to make all NBA teams. Look at all the, like they are making a push to, to make the game more international. And, and you look at in the draft every single year, you have players from Europe, from um, South America, from like, for you know, take your pick. Uh, the occasional player from Asia ending up in the NBA is too, as well too now. So it's like, and and the talent distribution across these teams. Uh, I mean, I don't know. This is your first World Cup covering, but I'm, this is I've, I've watched far. other ones. Yeah, You've, yeah. I was gonna say, but you've watched like I have watched. You know, in the past, this feels like by far the most talent in this tournament, and that's with all these players out. Just it's just because the talent distribution is just so much more vast. You have yeah. NBA players from feels like most countries you have at least one dude on the roster who's in the nba mm-hmm. no i i definitely agree and and that's the thing like even look at south sudan like they have a bunch of guys they have mario shayok um yeah. who's from ottawa actually he went to i yeah. played i never played against him but he played kind of he was like two years above me um but uh played at like the big high school here in ottawa which isn't oh like the high level basketball compared to toronto mm-hmm. but um there's like guys on all these countries that are you don't really know or like south yeah. sudan and um others that you're like oh there's like nba talent here it's it's not that bad right even like lebanon like they have amari spellman i mean he's kind of a import but still there's yeah, there's a few guys those, that you like, you've yeah. heard of that it's like oh there's talent it's not like past years where i remember canada played jordan in 2019 and it was like 108 to 48 or something i don't think we're going to see as much of that at this tournament and that's a great sign for the game of basketball and uh, i'm sure it's only going to keep growing and i think the olympics will be really fun next year presuming it's mostly teams that uh, have a lot of talent that make it through this uh, tournament and and qualify and obviously the last chance qualifier as well Mm -hmm. yeah well, okay. So, uh, Adam, uh, before I let you go, because we've done a longer podcast than I even expected, but it was really fun. Um, what's your prediction? What, where does Canada finish? Like, give or take, are they a medalist? Do they make the Olympics? It's it's kind of a two pronged question because of the added layer of the Olympics be, or of this tournament being an Olympic qualifier. But just give us uh, your prediction. I don't think they make the Olympics and it's not because I don't think they, they have a decent tournament. I just think they're going to have to be, it's like, what is it? Brazil, Spain, like to get to the quarters to get to a quarterfinal, they'll have to go through Brazil and Spain already, or they'll have to finish ahead of France. Like the, the, the teams in their, in their bracket are um, better teams than let's say uh, who the Dominicans will face. Uh, or Puerto Rico or all the other teams in the Americas, frankly, like they just got a tough path. And I think it started when Indonesia selected Canada to art to their, to come to Indonesia. Uh, as much as it's, I'm sure it's great for you. You're going to get to go to Jakarta, yeah. which uh, seems like a great place, place I haven't been before, but I would love to go. 
Uh, it didn't really work out too well for the national team in terms of their path. So they kind of they kind of <laughs> they got drawn, uh, and they kind of drew the short end of the stick in in that sense. So. Having said all of that, uh, I think it'll be a very entertaining tournament. I do think it's going to be like it, it could flip a coin, you know, it can go either way. But ultimately, their path is just going to be a lot harder and they're going to have to beat quite a few top ranked teams. Uh, and they have no margin for error, essentially. They have to win because uh, they're not going to get help from like one of those teams in the Americas is, is going to make a quarterfinal, I feel like. And aside from the US, obviously the US is going to make a quarterfinal. So you'd, you'd imagine. And uh, as people, probably no one if you don't only the top two in the region make it so if they're not in the top two in the americas you figure the u.s will probably be one they're pretty much battling with every other team in the region for one spot in the olympics um if they don't make the olympics and they don't medal it's going to suck because this is on paper the best team we've ever sent to uh in an international basketball tournament and it could be so much better um hmm. but i think they're going to come up just short and i hope i'm wrong I mean, I'm obviously, I hope I'm. Uh, you're wrong as well. I do think the way I see it is if they make the quarters, they're making the Olympics. That That's the way I see it because sure, they play, maybe the Dominican makes it, but I think Canada would beat them in a qualification game to, to make the Olympics. Now, maybe they lose because some guy from Dominican does what everyone does against Canada in a big game <laughs> that I've never heard of and makes all these threes. But Thomas Nederansky. Yeah, um, <laughs> there you go. But I think that's my litmus test is if this team makes the quarters, they're going to make the Olympics. If they aren't able to meander their way out of the crossover pool and France and Spain and Brazil, who look pretty good, then obviously I, I think they need to make the uh, they need to make the quarters to make the Olympics. So that's the barometer. I do think they will, because maybe it's just me. I think KP or Chris Zingis not playing for Latvia really helps them where I think that game should be, I think they win by 15-20. Um, they have a lot of shooters, which always scares you, but um, I think Canada will just score too much on them. Um, and I think France just isn't going to be motivated like they would be in a normal tournament because, one, because their lack of talent compared to other years and just because they're making the Olympics either way. And for Canada, they go into that game and it's, we need this to make the Olympics and France is mm -hmm. like, let's have fun. I mean, I'm sure they're competitive, but um, it's not the same kind of intrinsic motivation that Canada will sure. have. And if Canada wins that first game, I think they're making the quarters. You make the qu quarters, then you make um, the, uh, the, the Olympics. So I guess I'm saying is that everyone just watch the France game. If they win, Yay, they made the Olympics. If they lose, they did. Um, I'm yeah. obviously kidding, but uh, <laughs> yeah. So I think that France game, as you know, everyone's been saying, is just so monumental. Um, mm -hmm. But I'm I'm optimistic. I think they're going to do it, and I think they beat Spain in Spain, and that's probably harder competition than playing France. But yeah, they it's not like they beat them by twenty. They they yeah. barely yeah. won in overtime. So yeah. Um, thanks so much, Adam, for for taking the time. Um, I'm going to be off to Jakarta on Sunday. So, uh, I think this podcast will have a couple days off, um, and then we'll get right into it when I land there. Um, I have Vivek Jacob will come on on the 24th. I have some other cool people that, uh, I'll try to, to line up just because, um, time difference is fun. I, I might have you back on Adam if you want. And, uh, and always let me know. Yeah, of course. So, uh, thanks again, Adam, for taking the time and doing this. I hope people like uh, enjoyed this episode and there'll definitely be more to come uh, next week. And thanks for listening.